Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast for the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 336B, the second episode for the week. We'll now discuss our thoughts on Against the Ice from Netflix. With you for that discussion, Grayson Maxwell and a special guest, Christian Sinclair Roman. Got it. All right. I got the name. All right. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I've been thinking about asking you for a few weeks now, but this is as good a time as any. Yeah, for, the ep- for the episode discussing The Flash, including the whole box office breakdown, what streaming, and trailer talk, check out episode 336A posted on Tuesday, 627. Well, Christian, we are about to talk about a movie, but before we do that, I want you to take this next two minutes, and if you could give your opinion on The Flash... It is a movie. That is. It is, it is a it, movie. It is a movie. That's that's you know. Um, I guess I kind of shot myself in the foot. I kind of went in there with a little bit of high expectations, since you know, since it's kind of been development development hell for I don't know how many years. So I kind of went in there with high expectations, and of course, I kind of left a little bit. You could say disappointed. So I mean, but I think there a lot are parts of, of it that I yeah. I think a lot of people would probably agree with you on that. A little bit. <laughs> I I actually really liked it, but I talk about that in the episode. Um, but before we get into Against the Ice, why don't you tell everyone uh, what department you work with? So I'm, of course, in Atlanta working on Bad Boys 4. I don't think it's a secret anymore. I, I think I can talk about it. But um, I met Christian working on Bad Boys 4. And um, I am in accounting and he is in – he's working in editorial – and uh, he brought he brought over his receipts every week for Amex, and uh, so for us to reconcile. But you know, we'd always get in nice little chats. He'd stay for a minute and chat, and then you know we would award him uh, bronze, silver, or gold star depending on everything being complete on his uh, packet of receipts that that, that week. But uh, yeah, after a few conversations, uh, I just you know this is a friend of mine, so I'm I'm happy to have you on the show. And uh, why don't you tell everyone else just quickly? Outside of the editorial, what your passions are in the movie, uh, in this industry, in the movie industry? Um, so yeah, I, I I really fell in love with um, with editing when I was in school, and then, but of course, still kind of pursuing acting at the same time. So I'm kind of at a crossroads. So I'm kind of I'm in love with editing, and I, I I'm in love with with acting. So I'm kind of just kind of figuring out the, the best route for me, or try to do try to do both. That, that's honestly probably to be if I could you know, choose one to probably be both. So, but that is my, that is my plan. That's what I'm striving for. It's a good plan, man. It's a very ambitious plan, but a good one. And the thing (laughs) about editing though, is editing is so important. I don't think people realize that editing makes or breaks movies almost by itself. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I mean, star Wars, for instance, the, um, the Lucas, the original Lucas was at 76, or seventy think, was it before that seventy three I don't know one in the in the yeah. mid 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 seventies the original Star Wars that was saved in the editing process very famously saved in the editing process and a lot of movies are like that but I mean that's my point though is Star Wars is this huge now phenomenon that if the first one had been edited had not had they not seen the brilliance in the editing and edited a certain way to save the movie we may have never even gotten a sequel we that may have been a one off and then never talked about again yeah 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 it yeah it was a very it was a very it was a very special thing it definitely felt like something that was supposed to happen like we were supposed to have those movies so it it is the editing is very it's you know it's it's one of the cherries on top to the, yeah, to the sunday so 
I would agree. Editing and sound are the two, I think, more most mm-hmm. important things almost. Because you can fix everything else in post. But editing and sound, if you get a bad someone who doesn't understand how to edit with the beats on the beats, um, and then the sound is terrible, you just your movie's not going to be good. So mm-hmm. I agree. It's going to be uh, terribly received uh, before <laughs> it's even looked at for like the story or anything else. But all right, sir, I'm glad you could join me this evening. But why don't we jump into it? And I don't know if you listened to an episode yet. Have you listened to an, an episode of ours yet? I have not. I wanted to kind of jump in feet first. No, I, I appreciate that. But as tradition dictates, we always jump into a movie and we talk about we talk about the particulars. However, we start with the tomato meter. Now we're not basing our our discussion on the tomato meter, but just to get a you know a broad spectrum. This is what critics thought, and this is what the audience thought, and to see where mm-hmm. we where we more align with, and where we think people should more align with. The tomato meter on this one is fifty seven. Personally, I think that's low, but I don't know how you, I don't know how, how do you feel how do you feel about the fifty fifty seven. Fifty seven, I, I would definitely say low, and that's from critics. That's from critics. That's the tomato meter. I, I don't understand this movie. Kind of, it kind of had everything. You know, it, it first of all, you had that kind of historical aspect to it that's very involved. And then you have the, the two story of men pretty much kind of just, you know, chasing, chasing glory, chasing their dreams of accomplishing something. So, and um, it's just, yeah, that's something I definitely disagree with. I absolutely, I absolutely absolutely disagree with that. And um, at the, at at the end of the discussion, we'll, I'll ask you to assign a number, you know, zero to 10 based on your, where you think this movie sits and you, you can use half intervals, but not like those weird, like 0.75, but that's, that's weird. That's a little too involved, but but to think about that as we are talking about it, but also, so the audience score is a 72. That's about more where I think this movie sits a little closer to what I think the actual score is, is a 72. That's, but that's, that's the audience. So mm-hmm. in this, in this particular instance, I think the audience may be right about this one and the critics may have it wrong. Yeah, I think they, they I think they think they know what the audience is looking for. So I kind of feel like it's just a big it's just a big guess. And and I get the critics are supposed to just tell rare audiences what they're going to walk into, but you know, if, if if somebody who's a critic walks into something with a specific mindset and you know that mindset doesn't necessarily change during the aspect of the movie, you know, you're going to just be left with kind of what they have, which is why I don't always agree with their take. I always I, I always go in hopefully with an open mind, you know, never read reviews, do my best to stay away from trailers just so I can walk into something purely just based on, um, you know, the, just the interest that I had of the movie. So I, that, that's really hard to say that having that, that distinction, but it does show what audience are interested in. And it was, it does show what critics think audi- audiences are interested in. So you kind of have those two things. Um, I agree. I, I agree. And it's tough to this, these days with streaming stuff, it's actually super easy to not watch trailers. If like if you're for instance, if you're excited about watching a movie on streaming, uh, you can maybe watch the trailer once and you never have to see it again because you have to go like you have to physically seek out and watch the trailer. Unlike if you're a if you're an avid movie watcher, like a moviegoer, like a theater attendee, then you may see a trailer six, seven, eight, nine, ten times before the movie comes out. And uh, you could you could certainly just that could also sway your opinion of the movie. Very true. So there's, there's that. But uh, to be honest, I didn't watch a trailer before I watched Against the Ice. I just I saw this was released at the end of last year, and I saw the cast, and I was like, I want to watch this. I want to talk about it. It's going to be great. And our show didn't get around to it until just now. So 
Mm. Very excited to get into it, but let's do that, shall we, sir? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Nicolaj Coster Waldo, better better known as Jamie Lannister, is Captain Einar Mickelson. Joe Cole as Ivor Iverson. Charles Dance, who famously plays um, Tywin Lannister on Game of Thrones, uh, Jamie Lannister's father, is Nearguard in this one. And uh, Hida Reed is Naya. And forgive me for butchering this name. Gisli Orn Goddesorn is Jorgensen, and Sam Redford is Laub, directed by Peter Flint. And of course, this is adapted from this is adapted from a writing of Einar Mikkelsen himself, Two, Two Against the Ice. Um, of course, this takes place in 1909, so he is not alive <laughs> to talk about his yeah. adaption. But um, this is adapted from a works, and it's from a Danish explorer who. Uh, in this film, you'll find out um, him and one other man. Well, in, uh, really, an entire company are out as a, a race against the Americans to prove that Greenland is a whole thing and not a separate. Like the northern tip of Greenland is not a, an, its own island; it is part of Greenland. Thus, having thus making the Americans have no claim to it whatsoever. Which is weird that we're like we usually we'd get the other side of this story because of you know America, but it's 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 interesting that we're getting the Danish side of this story. Yeah, yeah, that was part of the, what that actually was part of what um, had me actually enthralled in it because it's it, as you said before, it's usually as it's usually from the kind of like the American side, you know. So seeing that kind of change makes it look like okay, yes, there are other countries out there that you know <laughs> that, uh, that that actually exist. So that was. Um, that was something that surprised me because again, I, I purely watched this, you know, just based on um, pretty much your recommendation to check it out. So that's why I was I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I was watching. I'm like, wow, this isn't this is this is getting to me. This is uh, this is a very interesting watch. I, I agree, and it's um and it, it is a Netflix exclusive, so there's also that. Is um I actually tried to buy it tonight on my iTunes account, but I couldn't. It's I mean, it's specifically Netflix, and I know people saying, well, it's Netflix, but there are. There's at least two places in Atlanta I can that I go to to buy movies sometimes, find cheaper Blu-rays and 4Ks that they do sell they do sell um uh Netflix movies. They're obviously ripped and it's in a, you know, a made DVD case, but they do sell them for 10 bucks. Uh, I just wow. want a digital I just want a di- digital copy so I can watch this at my desk. Like you 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 know that I do. You know that I do. <laughs> I- I do. I do. <laughs> At least four movies a day, if not five. Sometimes I can squeeze in. Late, lately, it's been because our because of our chat. Lately, it's been Aliens and Kingsman. Uh, I, I I did also because of our chat. I, I did Wonder Woman t- uh, yesterday, um, and a little bit today. But yeah, so that's just what I do. But let's okay. Let's get into let's get into it. Against the Ice. Um, we already said what it's about. Two men. Um, from the Danish consul racing to prove something that the Americans have no claim to the tip of Greenland. They want to prove that it's a, it's not a separate piece. It is in fact part of Greenland. And they, and that is the film It's takes place in 1909. So you can't just hop on a plane, <laughs> take a satellite photo, if you will. Yeah. But these two guys have to trek across the tundra, across the, the Arctic, the ice cap. And that's when things start to go wrong. So let's just talk about the beginning of the aesthetic what are we thinking about? I, I thought the cinematography here was absolutely beautiful. No, I, I definitely agree, especially since you had the, um, you really had kind of like the sun kind of bouncing off the ice and it just, it, it put everything everything into like perspective for you. Like this is, okay, so this is, this is what the story is going to be. It's going to be cold, it's going to be ice, 
and you know definitely something's going to go wrong. So it kind of it kind of shows you in the beginning kind of what you're walking into. And then with the characters as well, you could see that, you know, people very much respected the captain, you know, but seeing those other characters, their kind of reaction to their captain coming and telling them, hey, I need a volunteer to come with me on this on this journey and just the hesitance. Usually it's usually it's kind of the other way around. Right. It's usually them just everyone kind of jumping at the chance to. To help their captain. To go, to go with the captain. Yeah. So the fact that all of them were hesitant and the one man who wanted to go was like, they were pretty much telling him just don't, you know, and, and that's probably, you know, they've probably served, served under him for a decent amount of time. So they probably knew how like persistent he was at doing what he sets out to do. So, and he maybe they felt, okay, there's a good chance this is going to lead them to their death, which is why they were, they were hesitant to even, well, you gotta. I mean, yeah, it's so cold in the Arctic, and if you get, I mean, I, I, I don't say, I don't, I don't say it to be funny, but like I say it because if even the smallest thing goes wrong, you're just dead. Like you're just yeah. dead. There's nothing you can do. You sprain an ankle, you you can't move. You're probably not gonna make it. If there's there's a point in the film when, um, the 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 tea kettle. Like the the tea kettle where they light a fire under it and it boils water breaks mm-hmm. and the captain says without this we're dead so can you please fix it I mean it's it's more of an annoyance towards Ivor Iverson the the mechanic you know trying to get him to fix it but but it, yeah. that I mean that is true without a little bit of warmth each each morning they're dead so this mm-hmm. is a this is about as treacherous a place you get on the planet Earth especially in a time before any kind of modernity with uh, technology was a thing. It was just, you know, line of sight and whatever advancements at in 1909 there were at the time. So there was, yeah, there was not a whole they, lot. And I, I know we'll get to it, but that, that, um, that kind of decision to go back to retrieve what they originally went to pick up, that was just, and it was, we'll get to it, but you know, with that scene, they were like, let's not leave a note. Like, it's fine. Like the more we talk about it, the longer it's going to be, you know, and it's just that kind of goes to show kind of what the crew was trying to warn um, Ivor about. Just it's just you know it's full steam ahead. There's no like let's take precautions. Let's leave. Yeah, the that, note. That, that's what they're talking about. With the captain is there's yeah. no there is no waiting with that guy. You either you're you're going to be going all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, go 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 ahead. Sorry to mean to interrupt. No no no. Um, so yeah, and and so th- throughout the movie, we can, you can tell just based on the captain that like this obviously wasn't his first choice. He barely knows the guy. The guy obviously was excited to be working with him, but you can tell it wasn't really. He he didn't really have that like yes, I have this guy. I can do what I need to do now. It was more like okay, now I have to drag this guy along. He's having issues wrangling the dogs, you know, so it just, it seemed like more of a challenge for him more than anything. So it's like, now I have to challenge the ice and I have to deal with this guy who doesn't fully know what he's doing. Well, that's the so, thing is Ivor yeah. is so he's, he's so full of, you know, the young energetic. Yeah. I, I want to be part of this gusto that the other guys are like, he doesn't pick up on the other guys. Like, well, maybe this is not a, an endeavor you want to be taking on. And of course it's, you know, it's, it's a good duo, at least for our point of view, I think. And for a writer's point of view, it's a good duo because you have a very experienced captain, very grizzled old warrior who you learn early on 
there's some loss in his life. Someone is not in his life that he would like to be in his life. You start to get hints of that. And so, I mean, as far as you're concerned in the beginning, there is an old grizzled warrior that's experienced loss and he's a mountain man. He is a, he's an ice man. He's done this. He is, this is what he does. Then you throw Ivor Iverson in the mix. who is they, they just picked up in Reykjavik. He was in the Navy. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience doing this. And the recipe you get is what, the bulk of the movie comes from Ivor makes some very stupid decisions and loses a lot of their food. We'll get to that, but it's, it's, it's the dynamic of the two men that, that partly makes this movie super interesting to watch. And this story wouldn't have been, because if you just sent one of the super, one of these super uh, seasoned guys with the captain, I don't think there's even a story to go with this. It's just two men go, two men come back and then, then they all leave on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. Well, I, I still think if, even if one of his other, his other, um, other one of the crew decided to join him. I still think the incident would have taken place, but I feel like that crew member would have spoken up more in terms of leaving a note because that was what killed them in the end. There was nothing that killed them, but you know what I mean? That's what, what caused that, what, almost year over of just pretty much sitting and waiting. One I think, year, 865 days, my friend. That's three uh, and a half years. <laughs> Three and a half years. No, no, that, no sorry. Yeah. That's, that, that's just shy of three years. So that's a long time. Ooh, it is. You imagine, you imagine eight, 860 days in the Arctic? Just think about that. Would you survive, you think? you, you myself as, purely? You, well, no. you, as, you as you are now with, with another person, with what they had. No. Probably, probably not. I, I, I for sure would not. That's <laughs> for damn sure. Maybe a year. Maybe yeah, a year tops. Maybe, maybe for me, maybe about 20 minutes. That's about it. Um, okay. So, and I love the aesthetic of the ship, um, the captain ship in the ice. Like it's, I don't think that works outside of a movie, but it looks damn cool in a movie. You know, you have a ship that's got, that's entrenched around, like the ice has formed around it and that's their home. It stays heated because they keep the fire on all times, and that's just where they live in the Arctic while they're doing this. And I thought that was a really cool aesthetic. That I'm, I'm sure there's some truth to that from the from the dramatic writing of this by the captain. However, <laughs> I don't think it was as grand as they as Netflix portrayed it. You know oh, what I mean? Because no. like, no, it looked it was awesome. definitely yeah, it looked good, but I know it was filthy, dirty. You know, it was just you know you probably had stowaway rats on there as well. It hmm. no, full, not full as of men who haven't. Men who haven't taken a bath in Lord knows how long, but there's that as well. So um, I'm sure it was, they made it look really nice, but in reality, no, that's the, no, absolutely not. And then our journey begins, you know, it's only like 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes before they, they set off with two fully packed sleds and two teams of sled dogs. And they're making great time. And Ivor very foolishly uh, decides to be, a stunt man and sit on the side of his sled, losing control of it. And his dogs go crazy and he's unable to stop them. And of course an, the accident, an accident happens and they, they lose a couple dogs and they lose almost half their food, everything gone. Mm. I thought it was the dog food. Well, I thought it was the dog oh, food. Yeah. The, well, they lost some human food and most of and the, the dog, dog food. food. Okay. So right off the bat, there's trouble. Now I wonder why that just didn't turn back right then. That was the reason why none none of the other crew wanted to assist him because they knew he would have just been like, "It's fine. We'll just we'll just make the rations smaller, and we'll just, just continue." And that's that just kind of goes back. That just shows that they they truly knew their captain and they knew like 
he's not somebody to turn around, you know, like if, even if it seems hopeless, he's like, it doesn't matter. Like we will, we will get there. It'll be tough, but we will get there. So that just kind of shows just in the beginning half of the movie, just kind of the way they saw their captain. I agree. Know, and it's, it's at this point, him. I want to, it's at this point, I want to say that also um, the captain does have, or sorry, I was gonna say something else. Um, Nikolaj Coster Waldo, he is an EP on this. He's executive producer. So this is his thing. Like he definitely was a huge proponent in getting this made. He wanted to be in it. So he saw the, he definitely saw the, and, and he is Danish himself, I do believe. So he definitely saw the potential in this movie. And he definitely had, was a major proponent of getting this pushed forward. I have no doubt about it. So these things all, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Danish people know Captain Mickelson very well. I'm sure they know his legend the same way that, you know, everyone from the U.S., like Davy Crockett and Paul Bunyan, you know, are, are, are legends, are, um, are people from history. But I'm sure that, I'm sure he was a major proponent of getting this push forward also, which you can tell as the movie goes on, it really does kind of become his movie in, in, a, in, in a sense. Uh, Captain Einer is the one that has the lost love. He's the one that is dealing with madness himself. He's the one that kind of deals with all of it more than Iverson does. Although Iverson's the, you know, for lack of a better term, Iverson is the anchor that brings him back every time and really helps keep him alive when he's losing yeah. his mind. And I think that goes back to him being in the Navy. The Navy definitely helped because of course. Um, he didn't, he didn't really go crazy. Like he was pissed off, but he never went like, never he wasn't pointing a gun at his captain. No, no, he was not. <laughs> so he was very much very stoic throughout the entire movie. Yeah, he made mistakes, but he was very much the one like like you said keeping it together. And I do I do love the kind of the very slow burn ethereal nature of this film too. One one movie that comes to mind whenever someone says talk about a slow burn is there there's a there's a couple on Netflix that Roger and I um he's my co-host on when we do it. He's the co-host and he we always talk about Mudbound. I don't know if you've watched Mudbound on Netflix. I have not, but it is on my list. It's a that's like a two and a half hour. Boy, that movie is slow, but it's also like Oscar worthy on many different levels. It's so good, but it's a movie you can't really watch many times. I kind of how I feel about this one. This one's a slog, though not nearly as as a sloggish as that one. But a movie that always reminds me of is um, Tolkien, which I'm a huge uh, Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm a huge Tolkien fan. So I I, I love that movie with uh, Nicholas Holt plays young young Tolkien as he's. Uh, as he is wounded in the war and coming up with the characters for what would become the Lord of the Rings. I don't even ever saw that one either, but that one is very ethereal. Uh, it's very much in the same vein as this one where you're, you're really relying on the characters to tell the story and the music to tell the story mm-hmm. here. And it, I think this one's very similar to that. I mean, as, as, as a character piece, I think this one's very similar to, to that one. Did you, did you ever see Tolkien? I didn't. I did see the trailer and I understood what it was, but this is going to make you very upset. I haven't honestly sat down and watched all of Lord of the Rings movies. Oh my goodness. Oh my I know. goodness. I didn't want to say it. That's okay. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> um, I love him though. I think Tolkien can do no wrong. I think his writing is some of the best on the planet. I think he, I mean, he's gave us modern fantasy is what he did. So that's, I, I'm, I'm very much in love with whatever Tolkien gave us, but this movie reminds me of Tolkien and it's something I wanted to make note of because it's, it's longer and it's, you know, two guys get into a very perilous situation and there's conversations. They talk about women. 
Um, they talk about things that two guys would talk about that are trapped on an ice cap in 1909. I feel, I feel those conversations are, are very, uh, genuine. I feel like those conversations are very real and genuine. Is that, how do you feel about those conversations that they had? No, I, I definitely, I definitely did. Cause you, you had Ivan who was very much like, I, I haven't fully lived yet. And then you have the captain who's very much like, I, I've done this. I don't know how many times. So this just kind of comes with the territory, but to be to be stuck as long as he was, that was what was new. So during that time, he came to that realization was just that kind of just that that loss, that lost love you were talking about really came um, out of nowhere for him. He really didn't know how to handle it, except just kind of accept it and do, do his best to hide it from from Iverson. So that and I, I did like how they did that. You know, they showed the picture and that really comes down to communication. Like if he had communicated to Ivan in the uh, in the beginning half like oh my that's that, that was the woman that got away like maybe he Iverson wouldn't have brought it back up later which led to their you could say fight or incident well so, I don't it's interesting the way they do it because obviously the other men would have absolutely known they might not know her name or what she looked like because you know 1909 but they would have known that there was somebody that that, that he was on the outs with and un- unfortunately chose his job and his profession over her they wouldn't maybe they may not know the specifics. They would have known there was somebody, and it's it's really kind of and we get you no know, we we get wind of that pretty early, and then we really get wind of that when Iverson shows him a picture of a bunch of a, a bunch of women outside of a what was like a, a women's college or something a women's school. I think it was, so. It was either that or like they were nurses. I could yeah maybe remember. okay maybe one 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 of those and you know Iver, Iverson said you know he he pointed to one. Again, very 1909-ish. You have to put yourself in the, in, the, in the mind frame of 1909 and says, this is the one I want. I've named her. Pick out one you want, name her. Then I will, you can lay claim to her. Like, I kind of as a joke. And then he points at one and says, wait, Naya. And Iverson kind of looks at him like, that's a very specific name you came up with very quickly. But, mm-hmm. you know, the look on Iverson's face is what told us, okay, maybe that wasn't as random as I thought it was going to be as a conversation starter, but that's his girl. And then of course we get more about the Naya story as we go on, because we're seeing everything from captain Niner's point of view of the girl keeps popping up again in the hot air balloon inside the shack when they get back. And there's, I think that's really where the movie, the magic of the movie is, 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 is Einer and, 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 and Naya, but jump, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves with the, I want to talk about the Cairn the cairn which they originally set out to go find the journal from the danish explorer before which proves without a doubt that they got there before the americans did and so they find this and then that's what they wanted to do was find this and it's it's there i think that some of the more beautiful cinematography happens is when captain einer sets up at the top of the ridge where the where the where the cairn is and just there's a shot of like the the sun is almost going down and it's like a panoramic shot. And it's just, wow. Talk about yeah. beautiful scenery, man. Yeah. It, it very much, um, it very much fit the moment, you know, it fit the moment because they made it to where they needed to be. They, they got the information that says for sure they were there first. So it, it very much came together. So you have this beautiful place and you have exactly what you were looking for, you know? So there's that, that feeling of just like, okay, good. Everything from now on is going to be fine. 
because you know we've made it you know and just that, that kind of you could tell through that shot that's kind of like okay that that selling point of everything's going to be okay since we made it to where we needed to be kind of just that false sense of security and um though the shot is beautiful that's just at the moment at that time that's kind of what i thought like okay everything's too good now so what's gonna happen what's the thing and then you kind of go back to looking at the dreams every time the captain had the dream he was you know he was dreaming of her the, the lost love and i think from that point it kind of slowly in his mind kind of he was starting to slowly go crazy which kind of leads into when he actually started seeing her and talking to her and conversing with her so it was very much that that those portions for me were very captivating because you're pretty much seeing a man who accomplished what he wanted to accomplish but still not fulfilled because he still didn't have that woman that you know he wanted well it's so it's the thing he chose the job over he chose what he did over the woman obviously the wrong choice that you know it it i think hits home for a lot of people certainly it does for me i've you know, but it's, I, I, I understand his kind of descent into madness and, and, and why that he was going through what he was going through. I really do get that. And it's, you know, even, I, I think that's even when you talk about what happens to him, especially, you know, his fight with the polar bear and the polar bear literally falling on them, falling on him in the, in the water. I still think what he was like, whatever you're, you're, you're talking about the heavier weight on his chest, literally the polar bear standing on his chest, with one paw and then falling on him when Iverson shoots it in the water or what's going on with this woman. I, I think what's going on with this woman in the movies, I think is, you know, it takes great pain to show you that that's the greater turmoil in Einer's adventure at this point is, is, is the woman who he knows he probably lost forever. And there's only a glimmer of hope he'll ever see her again anyway, let alone survive yeah. to see her again, let alone if she wants to see him again, you know, but, yeah. That's the thing. Hope is, I think, a big, it's a big unspoken, unsaid thing in this movie, but hope is great. And I think that's what a lot of the scenes are based on is, you know, one of them even says it at one point is we have to, we have to have hope without it. We're, we won't survive this. So I did appreciate that. And, the, you know, I did appreciate the polar bear. I didn't, how do you think the polar bear looked? Would, did it look too... Did it look kind of bad, CG? I thought it looked okay, actually. Yeah, I didn't, I thought it looked fine. That, I mean if that was like the only bad thing that kind of looked even somewhat sketchy, like I, I could have forgiven it for that, but I think it, it genuinely looked good. It I agree. I thought it, good. I thought, I mean, there were a couple of sequences in that polar bear. That I thought they had, I thought they trained a real polar bear. <laughs> that looked, I, I thought it looked really good. Maybe I was, maybe, maybe I'm in the minority on that one, but I thought it looked okay. Actually. I'm glad for yeah, we're, Netflix. I know. I, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think it was probably a, a mixture of like um, not an actual polar bear, maybe somebody in the suit, maybe for some like close-up shots, maybe a little bit of CGI. But for what we got, I was very much, I was very much pleased with how it looked. I agree. Like, I was, it, I was impressed. Yeah. And of course, their journey back from the cairn to the cabin to find out that their people have broken down the ship, left. And build a little cabin for them had they needed to return. And that was on day like that was on day like 200. So they spent another 600 days in the Arctic when they got back the first time. But that, that, that also included a trip back to the cairn and then mm -hmm. back to the cabin again. So, I mean, it's a little spread out with the days, but that's a long, that's a long time in the Arctic, man. That's a long time in the Arctic. 
And, and did you think the dream he had of the can kind of being broken by the polar bear, do you think that was um not, not a good thing, I guess a, a gift? Like I, I know I, it came off as a warning, but in your situation, would you have gone or would you have waited? Because if you had waited, the, you know, the, the rest of your group could have gotten them and they could have found a way to maybe trek back, go back to the can, get the information, come back. So if you had that dream personally, would you have still gone back to, to the can to get it or would you have still waited for the rescue? The Karen, I would have at least left the damn note, which is what Iverson said when they got back. Like, we didn't even leave a yeah. note. All we had to do mm-hmm. was leave a note and tell them we're coming back. We're alive. We're coming back. Please wait. And they didn't, well, I would have, I mean, I think it's common sense to leave a note for whoever may happen across that cabin, which, I mean, in a, in a desolate place like that, you could have, you know, there could be people trekking that may stop there for a night or two or, or a week. And kind of, you know, there could be any number, number of people and to just leave a note saying, hey, we're here. Please don't leave it locked. Please don't take all our supplies, blah, blah, blah. It yeah. seemed like common sense. I don't know why you wouldn't have taken just three seconds to write with a pencil. Because, I I mean, the captain obviously had drawing utensils with him. He had a he had a notebook and some drawing utensils that could have been used to write. Like It would have taken them no time at all, which is why Iverson was so upset when they got back and saw the letter from the people saying, we came here. We didn't see you. Now we assume you're dead. <laughs> So, yeah, that that was one thing that might have happened in the actual story, but that was one thing that was like, okay, no matter the captain, no matter how um, set he is on his purpose of doing what he's setting out to do, you, you mean, come on, you can't not write a note. That, that took from me a little bit, took me a little bit out of it. It didn't ruin it, obviously, but the whole time we're having the conversation, he could have just said, hey, we're going out. We're, we're going back to the can to get it. It just, you know, that was something that did kind of like not struck a nerve, but very much was like, that's not even necessary. What? Just leave the note, you know? But to answer but, your question, I would have gone. I'm, I'm a big believer in signs. I'm a big believer in dreams, actions, speak louder than words. I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in hope, um, stuff like that. So I would have gone. Would you have gone? No. I've not. If I was the captain... I would not have gone. Hmm. No. Interesting. Okay. It's interesting how there's a dichotomy between us because there was a dichotomy between um, Mickelson and Iverson. There was definitely a, <laughs> there, there was definitely a there split were. there. there um, were just because it's we barely made it. They barely made it back from where they were going. You know, and oh, yeah, no idea how long it was going to be. Like to talk wait. about like in a in a in a in a post John Wick world where <laughs> we have a very we have the very strong meme of you never kill dogs. I'm, this this movie killed a lot of dogs. They I mean, did. it killed like 15 dogs in this movie. It's incredible. But yeah, I was surprised at how liberal they were with the killing. But I mean, look, if you're going for accuracy, they would have absolutely died like flies. If a polar bear attacked, dead. They fell off the cliff, dead. You you, you needed food, you killed a dog. I mean, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. You had to feed your thought, other dogs and feed yourself. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that... um. That, that scenario of possibly having to consume an animal, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have remembered. You know what I mean? Like they, even somebody, you know, especially somebody who primarily working, you know, dog sledding and stuff like that in those times, which was a very big thing. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. They didn't know whether or not what, and what they could and what they couldn't eat. I thought that was interesting, especially since the captain has possibly been in a situation like that before with dogs. Maybe he didn't lose the food, but, at least knowing the information, 
I thought was the most important thing. And the fact that kind of none of them knew I thought was interesting. And the fact that it was getting colder. And I know they killed the dogs, but like, why not take some of the fur? You know, you don't see them ever maybe using some of the dog's fur during those really cold nights. That was something that kind of jumped out at me as well. And they had time. It's not like they didn't have time. No, they had tons of time. 860 days in the (laughs) Arctic. You got time, man. You got time to watch the grass grow wherever there was grass. So that you, you're right. That's a valid point. Is why didn't they kill the? I mean, the ones that they had to kill for food, skin them and use your use the fur to cover your feet or your hands or as an extra blanket at night. Any of those things would have been helpful. Of course. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with the dogs, though. Is like I'm I'm kind of glad we got rid of the dogs early, Ooh. early and early enough that the second half of the film didn't have any dogs. Well, yes, because it again, it's a movie like this. How it's set up. This is the heart of this movie is about two men against the elements, one man going insane, the other one trying to deal the best he can. What, 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 as a, even if there was creative liberties taken, let me ask you, even if there were creative liberties taken, which there probably were, what would you as the writer or director would have done with the dogs in the second half of that movie? What would you have done with them? I think the dogs, I think if, well, all right, maybe not keep all of them, if I, but at least keep one. Because if they had one, guess what? They would have been a little bit more prepared for that bear attack. I mean, can you ever be really prepared for a polar bear attack? Let me let me just ask you that straight up. Well, no, yeah, no, but at least a possibility of knowing would have helped versus That's just true. having that false sense of hope that, oh my God, there's a person here. There's somebody here to rescue us. And what is it? It's polar bear. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, maybe if you fine, I understand it's difficult to keep them, but at least keep one just I agree. as I, security, I agree. as a warning system. There you go. But I mean, plus why it there, I understand what they're doing. You know, they're, they're chasing their goals. Why can't man's best friend be with them? But again, that's just because I'm a dog person. Well, it, no, it would have made sense if, you know, Mickelson kept his, but forbid the other guy to keep his only because like, Hey, nope, we're going to kill your dog for food. We're keeping mine. And that could have been a further struggle point between the two guys. Also, I was expecting the first time through this. I was expecting his lead dog to be named Naya. The captain. Yeah. Because it's, it's interesting because of the Iverson figures it out when partly when Mickelson points at the picture and says, I like her name, name her Naya. Like it wasn't, he didn't just come up with the name on the spot. He had in his, for whatever reason that, okay, weird. If you're Iverson weird, mm-hmm. but, but then when they have to, when they have a, a freshly killed dog because of a polar bear attack and Iverson looks at him and said, I thought you were unattached. And he, the, our uh, Mickelson pulls out a necklace that has silver in it to, to, to boil with the dog's, the, the, the dog meat that they had from the dead dog said if mm-hmm. it turns green that dog meat is no good but it doesn't turn green which means he had it he had the silver which means he had a pendant which means he has it for a reason which means he got it from some girl or guy I mean I don't want to you know be in, be not inclusive here but I'm just saying he would have gotten it from someone special yeah and then he immediately and I'm or Einer says it's a gift like no I Iverson's not that much of an idiot it's it's a memento from a relationship absolutely and then, of course, when I love, of course, in the end, when we find the woman on the stage and 
captain says, this is Naya. And then Iverson looks up like, okay, now I put all the pieces together. Now right. I get it. Like, I just think it's a beautiful moment. It's, it's a moment we're all expecting that we know, because like, we don't know if she's really, I mean, let me, let me ask you something. If, if this movie ended with those two men standing by the, by the rope scaffolding, waiting to be introduced, and then it was just Captain Einer said, you know, I was lucky to have you. You kept us alive, acknowledging that Iverson wasn't such a screw up. And then, and then they went out and then the, um, Charles dance character calls him out on stage. And then the movie ends with the movie ends with them, with the camera just panning around and everyone applauding. Would mm-hmm. you have thought, she, would you have thought the woman died or was no longer there for some reason? That's hard. To, I would have thought that maybe since it didn't, he obviously chose the job over her, that maybe she would have been remarried by now at that point. You know, like that's probably what I've, what I've thought, but they did make her like, they did make her a plot point. You know, he, she, he was, sorry, she was the only thing he thought about, you know, Literally once, he fulf- once, yeah, once he fulfilled the mission. So I probably, probably would have thought, okay, maybe she just remarried and it's like, that, that could have been part of the regret, you know, thinking that, okay, maybe she found somebody else. Maybe she completely gave up. Maybe she's not there waiting for me. So there's just a lot of what ifs that they could have, they could have played with. It, it couldn't have maybe those flashbacks, maybe not just her, but maybe him thinking she is out on a date with somebody else or possibly had kids with another person. So just kind of that, that doubt kind of sets in, which I thought would have been interesting to see from a, um, from the character point of view, like him actually thinking I didn't choose her. Maybe somebody else did. So, but personally I would have thought, yeah, I would have thought that she probably would have remarried versus, you know, her possibly being dead. But I actually, in in a very movie way, I love how they revealed her. I love it. I love it. The two men are standing mm-hmm. there. Of course, now it only works if if we're looking at the two men. The captain's on the left, waiting to go on a stage. But if you have their point of view, if you're looking at the stage being introduced, you're being introduced. Then he's on the right, and of course he looks at Iverson, which is towards where the stage hands would go. And he just like, he looks at Iverson and then immediately he sees someone standing down there and he knows it's her. Like I thought stuff like that to me is what film is all about. That's some Mm -hmm. of those shots you can get, you can capture, you can, (gasps) that (gasps) moment that it's just, it's great, man. That's, that's what, you know, that's part of what movie making is for me is the, the gratification of finding out that she not only didn't forget about him, however, Mm -hmm. has been thinking about him as much as he has her. That's important. Um, I think that's a super important thing that, you know, love finds a way back, especially for a story like this. They underwent some of the cruelest conditions two men can ever endure in the Arctic. They did. So I agree. I'm glad that I'm glad that movie ended the way that it did. And then we just didn't hear from her again. Right. I personally would have liked if they, you remember when they step on stage and, you know, they're waving, you know, um, if, the captain saw her in the crowd and he whispered over to Ivan and said, do you see her too? Do you see the woman in red? And he, Ivan said, yes, that for me would have been perfect. I, or, I, would have I, mean, liked, I like the way it, it ended, but I would have liked that a little bit more. You, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Or I think you're right about that actually is because it would have made more, it kind of makes more sense that after everything they've been through and all this, the hints that Iverson got that mm-hmm. he's able, he identifies her before the captain identifies her to her, to him. 
Yeah. You know, you know, he looks up and he's like, Naya, now man, you know what I mean? Like in, in very movie fashion, you're right. That's a good, good, good call, man. Good call on that one. Damn. But that's just me. That's just me. But the way it ended, I, I, I it was, it was bittersweet. So it's just like, you know, that they're probably going to be friends as it said, you know, friends until the day they die. And you see that he gets to reconnect with um, the woman that he loves. So they're married a year nice. later. Yep. Married, married a year. Yeah. So there it was a very good, very happy ending, especially since it started out so bleak. So oh <laughs> yeah. it was a nice, it was a nice bow on top of the present. So for me, it, it that's why I, I, I wouldn't say perfect. I wouldn't say perfect, but it had every, it had all the elements to kind of keep me intrigued. So, it, and I know you talked to me before, like you said, it might be a little bit sluggish. I was perfectly enthralled in the story. As soon as I saw how the crew were reacting to the captain, I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Just purely based off the crew's reactions to him asking for volunteers. So I was very much enthralled throughout this entire movie. There wasn't a moment where I was like, okay, that's boring. This is a little boring. Oh, they're just on the, they're just riding around on the ice. So I never had that feeling. So I was definitely, I was definitely honed into what I was watching. So um, for me, it just wrapped up. It wrapped up perfectly. You know, it wrapped up perfectly for me. I agree. It's one of those movies. I think it's just, it's a subject matter um, mm-hmm. because of what's going on in my, in my life may have impacted me a little more, especially with his, with his descent into madness mm-hmm. and kind of the woman and Iverson kind of keeping him steady and, and the motif of the woman, the, the, the lost love, the, especially the, because it, you change the entire tone of the movie. If you change the music of when he sees her and is talking to her, even though she's mm-hmm. not there, it changes yeah. everything. But the, the music was always very deep, very soulful, very hopeful. You know, it was, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I liked about that too. So I have to say, I agree with you. It's just this movie, it, it to me, this movie fires on all cylinders. And in, in, in an age when we're obsessed with superhero movies and, and movies with gunfights and car chases and to, to, to see a movie without one of those things is like, it's a rarity these days without someone cussing up a storm or shooting a million bullets out of a gun without reloading or, you know, someone superpowers. It's just, it's, it's nice to see those kind of movies. We just don't get them very often. Yeah. So then they slow down because everything yeah, is so about, everything's very much about getting to the next thing, the next so, action scene. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll just move into scoring it then. This is the shorter episode for the week. Uh, okay. So um, as the guest of honor, uh, I would, um, I would allow you the opportunity to go first. Now keep in mind zero to 10, mm-hmm. zero is abysmal. 10 is, 10 doesn't mean perfect movie, but it, it means damn good, highest recommend that you have. I would say a solid eight. Because, again, I walked into this movie with no expectation. You said it might be a little bit sluggish. So I was like, okay, we'll see. But this movie surprised me. Like, I probably will watch it again before the end of the year. Definitely. It's one of those movies for me. Because it just had everything. It had everything I wanted in it. You know? So, but for me, a solid eight. I very much enjoyed this movie. So, solid eight. I agree with you. I was sitting on an eight too. And I know mine's probably a little high, but I do feel that I do feel it deserves the eight. I think there's a lot of great here. I think he's a great lead. Um, Nicolaj Costa-Waldo. I mean, his name is Jamie Lannister. Let's just be honest about that. (laughs) 
I mean, just like any any of the three that played Harry Potter, like the, her name's not Emma Watson; it's Hermione Granger, like hundred percent Hermione Granger. Um, sure. I think he did such a great job. I think Bob Cole, I think his name, who did Iverson, did a great job. Uh, I, the movie with two guys in the wilderness by themselves for hours, it does a great job of keeping you, keeping the story focused and keeping you focused on the story. I think that's important. And I think the the woman is a very important, you know, element in that. Uh, so I think this movie does a lot of things well. And I'm, I'm giving this movie an eight. I thought it was great. And I will... I will probably watch it again also before the end of the year, maybe twice more. It depends on kind of moods I'm in, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, agree. I, I really do feel like this movie is, is very watchable and it, and it came out and just kind of un like it obviously came out when at a time when they needed to get it out for Oscar buzz, but it didn't, it didn't get any, any mention whatsoever. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a damn shame. I didn't even see it when I logged on to uh, the Netflix, to be honest with you. Like I didn't even see like a little, like, you know, they have those little trailers when you first log in. I didn't see anything for it. I had no idea that it was, that it was even a thing, but I, it was the same way with shot caller, which, um, also with, I with, with Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with that. I, I heard that. I saw that movie purely based on everybody was talking about it. Like you have to watch this movie. So and he surprised me in that movie as well. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely keep a lookout now for if he if he does anything else because this and Shot Caller, he really is like make it onto my list of actors who you know have any upcoming movies to definitely check out. I agree. He seems I agree. to be on that like that trage- trajectory of just I want to make good film. You know, well he's he's got that Game of Thrones money, so he really doesn't need. Yeah, <laughs> he so does. He doesn't go. really need to do this, but that he's helps. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones, yeah. eight seasons of a very popular TV show, it never hurts. At, at yeah. all well i'm good i'm glad we gave it a solid eight that's a that makes me happy that you know i i'm happy you also gave it an eight because i was i always lock my number in before i start the episode so I, i'm not going to change it but yeah all right well thank you for joining me my, my friend i know that thank um, you for having me you're no longer on the movie but i mean a lot of people <laughs> with within a few weeks i'm also done so yeah um people are dropping like flies now um all right this has been Episode 336B of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you for listening. Check out the show on Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I'm at Grayson Maxwell One. Do you want to give a Twitter handle? Um, I barely use my Twitter. But you can you can you can follow me on Instagram. Again, my name is Christian Sinclair Roman, and my spelled, Instagram spelled is, how spelled how it is, yeah. Oh, Sinclair S I N C L A I R. All right. Underscore Roman is my Instagram handle. Hmm. I will have to check that out myself. Nice. Okay. Do it. I will. All right. Where were we in the in the outro? Oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> don't forget to check us out on Facebook always posting things on social media send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com and check us out on YouTube still have a presence there next week we're taking a look at no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence and extraction 2 with the behemoth that is Chris Hemsworth <laughs> <laughs>